passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I just had your partner Seth Rollins approach me there. He took everything we said to you, every little truth, spun them, and applied them to me. Now, why would he do that? I have a couple of theories. Number one, Seth has a big idea for a four-man shield, an unstoppable force. Or perhaps he realizes everything we said was true. Maybe he and Roman should have texted you more. Maybe they should have checked up on you. Maybe he's looking for a replacement. And maybe, maybe I'm just overreacting. It's not like Seth has ever stabbed you in the back before. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around. Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind a rock for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock alongside Waiting with you Monday night slash Tuesday morning slash whenever you're listening to this. Way, how are you doing? How are you? All well rested from this uh this past weekend. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I think so. No uh um no shows last night. We had a show in the afternoon. I believe it was yesterday. Was it Saturday, it, maybe? No, it was Sunday, but oh, you're right. Okay. It does feel a lot longer than yeah. just uh, one day ago that we watched New Japan. Mm-hmm. It feels so long ago now. It, it kind of does, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm good. How are you? How was your weekend? Um, I was okay. I I've started to get feedback from people about coffee sleeves. I think I'm gonna get like a good good mileage out of that rant for at least a couple of weeks. I've been looking into it actually. Yeah, I I've gone a few times. Not once have they offered me a sleeve. Oh okay. So I'm I'm kind of more aware of it now than ever. So. Hmm. Hmm. My my new my new thing is the lack of care that people have out on the sidewalks you will really notice this way one day when you have a child and you've got to uh use a stroller of how many fools are out there on the street aimlessly wandering around head buried in their phone like a walking straight into you this will happen all the time and the amount of people that won't get out of the way for you like people that will just congregate on the sidewalk I had to raise my voice at this this group that were just blocking the entire sidewalk and gave the polite, excuse me, then a second, excuse me, and then the third one, excuse me, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. It's like, Jesus. Wow. It's just uh, these kids' way, these kids these days. Just standing on the sidewalk? Yeah, just like, 
a group uh, just like standing there, like blocking it. Like, listen, I have way more of a right to this sidewalk than you do. Just go, go stand on the grass. Go anywhere. Pick mm. up half half of the sidewalk. I'm good. I can I can maneuver around you, but I can't with your your whole pack of friends that are ca- uh, covering both lanes. And believe me, sidewalks. It's two lanes. It's not that difficult to figure out, and yet we have not mastered the art of walking in, at least in Toronto. Well, uh, I mean, I'm I'm totally with you on the sleeves. I don't know if I'm uh, as with you for this uh, getting off of the sidewalk thing that you're. Trying. Wait a minute, it's loitering. It's just like standing. If you're blocking people on the sidewalk, is that not an issue? Why like, don't what you do walk you do around them? Wait, I'm telling you, I'm in a stroller here. pushing it down the sidewalk and there's a group that are blocking just chatting away not moving the sidewalk is there for moving says who says me well then get out of the way get out of the way or I won't stop Mm. I'll just keep going stroller Uh, will win trust me those things are made for they those things are indestructible yeah really um Sorry to hear that. Uh, no, in. no, no. Yeah. Not a big one. No, I'm not really. Not that sorry. So, uh, did you do any... How was your wedding rehearsal on, on Sunday? It was good. I mean, um, I, I don't know. As good as wedding rehearsals are, uh, I think you just kind of go through all that. I Like, I've been to a number of weddings before. I've, like, filmed a number of weddings, so I, I know kind of right now what 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 to expect and uh i'll tell you what's a little kind of confusing is just uh the person who's getting married has planned like a limousine for like the the bridal party and, okay. and the groomsmen and unfortunately this limousine leaves from a rather far place cuz this wedding is taking place in a really far place so i mean i'm going with with my girlfriend who is not part of the the bridal party now like I don't know how to negotiate like her being able to go over to one place while I'm supposed to find my way to this uh, pickup point from, from the limousine. Uh, and then I have to figure out how to drop her off at the end. Um, so in the end, I probably just won't even bother with this limousine, but man, like weddings, they're often just a whole lot of hassle is what I'm trying to say. They can be, they can be very complex. Depending on, I guess, I guess the people. I'm trying to remember the, the last wedding I've been to. It's been a, it's been a while. Yeah, they're expensive. Actually, it wasn't. I went to one last month. Oh, okay. it was actually, it was actually. I wasn't involved in the wedding party or anything. Yeah, be honest. When you're part of the wedding party, it's like that's just a whole new world of just issues that you just brought up. And I, I kind of like to just go, be invited, and just sit at a table, not be part of any of it. Just no pressure not nothing's on you nothing yeah. you're responsible for you just get to show up go to the open bar chat eat you know it's kind of just the, have a good time that's the best when you especially don't know anybody else there like if it's your wife's friend and you just go to drink and eat that's the best yeah the one i went to last month had this uh man the the food setup i don't know how much was spent on this but it was so elaborate like just the uh the setup that they had for the like appetizers and stuff was something that I could have had my entire dinner just based off of this thing. It was enormous. Yeah. How much money so, do you give? Sorry, is that um, too personal? 
No, no, it's I mean the the rule of thumb is usually like a hundred dollars a plate, and then you kind of assess how good of a friend it is. So yeah. like if I go if it's my wife's friend, she she covers it. And then if it's my friend or family, I cover it. Right. So So if you I ever want to find out how good of a friend you are to John Pollock, just invite him to your wedding. Well, I'll tell you this. It was a long time ago I went to a friend's wedding and we got to this place and as we got there it was like in the middle of nowhere and we had to pay for parking and it was like 20 25 bucks for parking that I was not expecting at this place so oh you surprise. reached into the envelope <laughs> that came out of the wedding present oh my god <laughs> i was like hey unexpected and therefore you know i got a little bit of over so i mean that that even, is kind of fair there. that is kind of fair i was uh, like come on g- give us some warning in the invite okay you know yeah. parking is going to not be complimentary or, or free. I was yeah. not expecting this. So, yeah, I, I didn't feel guilty at all about that. So maybe I should calculate gas. I should calculate my, my mileage, you know. Yeah, um, find out how great a friend you are when Wade <laughs> presents you with a receipt, an yeah. invoice at the end of the night saying, Pretty okay, much. well, this, this wedding sent me back. <laughs> oh, well, uh, do, do you have a figure in mind? Like, as part of a, the wedding party here. Well, this, like, is a very, this is a very good friend, so I'm probably going to go a, a bit more, a lot more than... I would I would think at least a hundred, you know, and uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I have a figure in mind. Anyway, I'm not gonna divulge, you know, how much money I'm spending on a friend. What, what about a, a shirt, some stickers, and an enamel pin? Yeah, I'll be? throw in a post wrestling T-shirt. How about that? All right. Do I know this friend? Yes, you do. Okay. Well, congratulations to whoever it is. Yeah, I don't know if we can mention his name on this podcast. Understood. Is it, the, it when's the wedding? It's a Sunday, right? It is Sunday. Yes, Sunday. So I'll wow. be missing the Long Beach show, unfortunately. Yes, yes, you will be missing the Long Beach show. But pinch hitting, or pinch speaking for waiting, will be our good pre, uh, our good friend Mike Murray, who was uh, reviewing the last Long Beach show when I wasn't available because we had we had the head to head shows. It was a mm-hmm. uh, UFC two twenty six that was going head to head with it, the Cormier Stipe Miocic fight. So. Mike is coming back. He'll be joining me on Sunday. We'll be watching it. Uh, should we talk about, in addition to uh, the Sunday show, me and Mike's show will be a free one on Sunday. But uh, leading up to this weekend, Wade, do you want to take us through the post-wrestling schedule? Yeah, we have a big edition of the Double Shot coming out for uh, cafe members tomorrow. That's, of course, after Rewind to SmackDown. But on this edition of the Double Shot, I'll be bringing back this year's Total Divas reviews. Oh, you watched it. I did watch it. Yes, I, I mean, uh, I could say I don't know if I'll be reviewing every single episode, but I did at least uh, watch the first one. As well, I wanted to chat briefly about this. Uh, I don't know if you happen to catch it, John, but uh, WWE's YouTube channel, they released a mini documentary about Jeff Hardy called The Day of Jeff Hardy, which basically takes uh, follows Jeff Hardy on his way to the arena uh, uh, during Hell in a Cell, looking at the structure for the first time. So I want to ch- chat quickly about that. Oh, that's very cool. I got into my time machine, and I'm going back 22 years to July 15th, 1996, to review what felt like a mirage way. Like, if I was in a desert of three-hour Raws, seeing this 48-minute episode of Raw appear on my screen was something else. And that's what I'm going to be reviewing. The Raw leading into In Your House International Incident uh, featuring Sid and his car. Uh, That is going to be my review on the double shot and sets up our review of International Incident on Friday. On the cafe. Very exciting. What a a show. Yeah, what a show. 
As well, uh, of course, up next, Davey and Braden will be bringing you their uh, review of NXT and also Forever Young, their May Young review. And uh, maybe this week joined by Dahlia Black, maybe not. Who knows? But uh, tune in to find out. Uh, that's on their own feed at Up Next UPNXT. Yes. Uh, so that is all uh, coming out. And then eggshells. Yes. Eggshells we've got, as well as uh, Rewind Away this week. Eggshells on Saturday will feature Chris Charlton with Jonathan Snowden. Uh, who will be chatting about the year 2003. It's a kind of interesting detour Eggshells is taking because now we're getting on uh, MMA people to chat about New Japan Pro Wrestling and the the era that was the early 2000s where New Japan just went in quite a different direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, a lot of cool stuff to check out. And I do want to give a nod to uh, our good pals, Martin Bushby and uh, and Benno. Great show last week of the British Wrestling Experience. Always very thorough. I feel like I'm all up to date on the British scene after listening to those two for an hour. Yeah, as always. Definitely. All right. Well, let's uh, go into some of the news from the day. Not uh, not too crazy uh, news-wise. Um, the NWA has announced that for their October 31st anniversary card, uh, previously they had announced Tony Schiavone is going to be uh, calling the main event involving Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis for the NWA title. And then t- uh, actually it was on Sunday they announced that Jim Cornette is going to be calling the entire show. He's going to be doing color commentary along with Joe Galley, who does the commentary for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And this will be airing on Fight TV October the 21st. And they've only announced the one match thus far. And that's going to be happening next month. So Jim Cornette on commentary. Cool. I can't. Uh, I guess he, he would have done some Ring of Honor shows. He? he did a lot of yeah he yeah. did he was uh he did color in ring of honor occasionally as kind of the in the the figurehead role mm-hmm. and then of course in ohio valley he was f- very prominent and then you know beyond that you're going to his time working on raw with jim ross uh syndicated programming with wwe and then you know guest right. spots on various shows in wcw nwa i, I think Gornet's going to be really really good so. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know how much of this, uh, the rest of the card, I'm really going to be watching outside of the main event. But I mean, I will be checking out, you know, editions uh, of Ten Pounds of Gold heading, leading into it. If there's any mention of some of the undercard on the show, I think I might be curious to check some of that out. But uh, it, it's clear that they're going for a very nostalgic feeling with the seven, 70th anniversary show, uh, which makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing at least how Shivani and, and Cornette will be in that main event. Yes, I, I'm i pretty sure that five days before this anniversary show, we'll know more than one match. Mm, yeah. So they probably have that going for them. Um, we have uh, some WrestleMania week announcements. Game Changer Wrestling, which is not a promotion uh, designed for Nia Jax to appear for, <laughs> uh, has announced that their WrestleMania week cards, they're going to be running April 4th, 5th, and 6th in Jersey City at the White Eagle Hall. So... Uh, at least one promotion that's going to be running in New Jersey as opposed to New York. Uh, this, of course, the promotion that for the last two years have been running Joey Janela's Spring Break, which has really kind of uh, cemented itself as one of the must-see shows of the weekend. As well, they did Matt Riddle's Blood Sport this past year, which obviously they can't do Matt Riddle's Blood Sport, but I think that's a concept they could continue here, and it sounds like they'll be doing uh, a third show, so possibly a, a third idea in there as well. They've kind of separated themselves coming up with really unique ideas for their for their shows so i i think that they've kind of really done a great job with with wrestlemania weekend yeah you wouldn't say they've changed the game though not yet <laughs> yes not yet 
uh, um, nor have they won an award for it. I'm very curious to know, you know, when when people are going to be making their WrestleMania plans, if people have already been making their WrestleMania plans, because John and I are currently in the process of doing that ourselves, you know, not just booking flights, but really figuring out a place to stay, because a lot of these places still haven't yet been announced. We are kind of just waiting probably like everybody else to see where, you know, the, 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 the hot places should be, because New York is, is just so spread out. It's not just like, you know, uh, that obvious choice. Yeah, and we know... You know, a lot of promotions, I mean, you're not getting a lot of big announcements. MLW just put out their announcement today that they'd already announced a date, but they're putting tickets on sale October 10th for their uh, television taping that's going to be happening the Thursday night, April 4th, and announcing talent for that, including uh, Loki, L.A. Park, Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, uh, Tom Lawler, Conan, and yeah, amongst the, the talent they're announcing. But I mean, typically by this time of the year, you were seeing a lot more kind of everyone trying to get ahead of themselves because now's the time people are starting to plot out what they're going to be doing, booking hotels, booking tickets to what shows they're going to be seeing. And it seems like this year it's, it's been a little slower, albeit it is September. Mm. Uh, moving on here. Uh, did you have a chance way to see any of the Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov press conference last Thursday? Yeah. I watched the whole thing. What did you make of uh, the presser and specifically Conor McGregor? Well, at this point, I mean, I think we we all kind of know what to expect when it comes to these Conor McGregor press press conferences. Um, and I felt he delivered. You know, it was Conor kind of being uh, just a master antagonist. And, you know, usually you kind of see what the other person has to offer. And as usual, I mean, I wouldn't expect Habib to, to put up that big of a fight in that department. Um, and he seemed rather quiet for most of it, whereas Connor was just kind of uh, taking charge. And in fact, I think what really struck out, struck you know, stood out to me the most was how, how like friendly he was with Dana, and how 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 Dana like how much he was willing to kind of play along with Connor. In fact, even taking a shot with Connor <laughs> of his whiskey at one point. So I mean, obviously, I guess I don't know favoritism uh, might exist a little bit. Will you ever try some of proper number 12? I hate to give him the satisfaction of, you know, uh, having this advertising work on me. But if I was handed one, I wouldn't turn it down. Yeah. What What did you think of the decision by Connor to really go after kind of the, you know, injecting a significant amount of, of politics into all of this and clearly been doing... Uh, if you're not familiar with, uh, you know, a writer such as uh, Karim Zidane, who's a really great journalist at Bloody Elbow, he's kind of outlined uh, a lot of these figures that were brought up by Conor McGregor, such as uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and his father's relationship with uh, Ramzan Kadyrov, who is uh, a dictator in uh, in Chechnya, and kind of, you know, I I would be really curious what the reaction is going to be like Fight Week when you have so many Irish fans, so many Russian fans. And you're really striking a nerve when you're you're bringing sensitive topics like this up. And Connor was he he saw that line and he sprinted across that line. Hmm. Yeah. It's it'll be interesting to see if it affects any of the kind of uh, 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 the, the the fight environment. I mean, I I would expect to, this to be a really heated crowd anyway. Um. And you know, just kind of seeing how that whole uh, Jose Aldo build took place when he didn't really have very nice things to say about the Brazilians or, I mean, you know, uh, during the May- Mayweather feud when I think uh, things got really tense racially even. 
Um, I would expect things to be rather civil, or at least as civil as they will be when it comes to a Conor McGregor crowd. Um, I don't. I wouldn't expect any type of like, you know, crazy brawls in Madison Square Garden. Although obviously you might see one or two, but nothing. I don't think that'll stop the show or anything like that. Well, this one's in Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Yes. Sorry. That's what that that could up the quotient of insanity. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe. Uh, so anyway, uh, all the news stories are up at uh, postwrestling.com. And way I understand you have uh, something you wanted to speak about. Yeah, very quickly. I just uh, uh, Some of you might know that uh, we've been working on a, a, a merchandise store uh, for post wrestling. A lot of you guys have been asking where we can get our T-shirts. So I've been hard at work at it. I've actually been putting it on hold for several months now just because uh, the, the year's been so busy. But I am uh, uh, slowly working at it. And uh, much of it uh, with the help of a lot of people that have been around me. So I want to give a quick shout out to Graham. I really want to give a quick shout out to Frank at Strong Style Brand, who uh, is his uh, ha- happens to run his own T-shirt line. He's been giving me a great uh, uh, deal of advice when it comes to Shopify, when it comes to how to set things up. So I want to give him a quick shout out at uh, StrongStyleBrand.com. His uh, he actually sponsors a number of uh, um, uh, wrestlers, including Sammy Callahan, Dave Chris from OVE, Desmond Xavier and Zach Wentz, uh, Danny Birch from NXT, Kimberly from the Mayon Classic, MJF. So uh, go to strongstylebrand.com, and he's even given us a promo code to use for us post wrestling patrons. You get twenty percent off if you use the code post wrestling. So uh, do check that out. I want to give him a, a, a big shout out and, and thanks. All right, great. So go check that out. And now we can go into our review for Raw Monday night. Uh, they are doing both Raw and SmackDown this week from the Pepsi Arena in Denver, Colorado. And we started it off with big news, a new opening signature. Huge, yeah. I mean, the, it doesn't feel like the old one's been around for that long, has it? It's been, it's been a while. Since um, they debuted the new logo, perhaps? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't keep up on my signature history, but um, yeah, th- this one's yeah. It's been a couple of years. This this one it goes then now and then the big WWE logo WWE forever, which they really missed out on not having Terry Funk yelling forever underneath. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be interesting if all of a sudden you heard Terry just say that one word forever, but- over and over again, like at least four four or five times. We'll get used to it. I think this was just fine. So totally inoffensive and, you know, whatever. I'll miss the dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the fireworks going off as you see a WrestleMania set underneath. Mm. Baron Corbin is backstage and a limo pulls up and inside is Stephanie McMahon. And Baron starts singing happy birthday to her. It is Stephanie McMahon's 42nd birthday. If you were on Twitter at all, on Monday, you would have thought it was a national holiday. The amount of accolades Stephanie received from the entire roster, wishing her a happy birthday. Well, I was not on Twitter for most of it, so I, I did not catch that. Wow. Did you did you not wish her a happy birthday? Uh, I personally didn't. Uh, in my mind, I did. I'm, I'm uh, about to send her a card right now. There are uh, several, uh, several female birthdays on this day. Stephanie McMahon, Kyrie Sane... Sonia Deville and Loretta Hunt. Wow, that must be quite the party. All sharing birthdays on that would be what a table for four that would be. Yeah, wow. Happy birthday to Loretta. N- no one else. Just her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, She's I the only person that... I know in real life. So yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure Davy would wish 
Kyrie at least a happy birthday for sure. Triple H then gets out as well. He's hidden in this limo. And Stephanie just browbeats Baron. She thought he was going to do the job Kurt Angle couldn't and thought he would be able to lead and make good decisions and asks, was putting yourself in the WWE title match last week a good decision? And Baron looked at the third hour viewership pattern last week and said, no, it was not. Stephanie says mistakes are tolerated up to a point, but excuses aren't. And tells Baron to get two partners tonight to take on the shield, do his job, and take care of business. Or else Kurt might be back sooner than we thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor Baron. Baron. I mean, you almost felt bad for the guy. Well, I mean, just... I would, except, I mean, at this point, it's it's just sort of Stephanie's. Like, it's pretty much her signature move, isn't it? To talk down to the current GM. The Shield came out, all in their Shield attire. Dean called them the three workhorses in the WWE. They've yeah. they've moved from dogs to horses. Seems evolved. Yeah. Yes, they have lost some battles, but never a war. And here they are, still standing. Rain says that they could read off their resumes, but that would take all day. And he received a lot of booze. I was waiting for Reigns to actually pull out his resume and start reading it. All we have to do is this. And Reigns and Rollins hold up their titles as Dean just stood there like an idiot. He said, these are the keys to the kingdom. These will change your life. And Rollins calls Braun, Drew, and Dolph jackasses. And Baron Corbin is Earmuff's children, the world's largest substitute teacher. (laughs) Burn. Baron comes out, mentions it is Stephanie's birthday. And he's going to throw them around like rag dolls to impress his boss and that they're being selfish and they have no friends. And he brings out his friends, the dogs of war, who sadly were not once referred to that tonight. So I, I hope we're not moving on from that moniker. They come out. They did their signature, I guess. I guess they have their own new signature where they stood together and then simultaneously put their arms in the air and roared and... You have not truly appreciated a roar until you've seen Dolph Ziggler do it next to Braun Strowman. It's quite the visual. I think I'd rather see them bark. (laughs) The dogs of war. Yes, barking. Braun says that Roman won't be wearing that title for very long. And I was thinking this title match isn't until November 2nd. That's a long time. Well, you you happen to know that because you happen to cover this this stuff for a living. I mean, I was just kind of they were bouncing all over the place between promoting the six man that at the super show, <laughs> and then this crown jewel stuff. There, there's a lot going on right now. Did you intentionally call it the super show? Just like uh, who was it that screwed it up? Braun. I think it was Braun, Braun who called it the super show. Yes, sure I don't blame him, dude. Like you got so many shows to remember. <laughs> Can't remember the names of them all. Oh, come on. They should just call them, like, Australia. That's or, the name of the event. Like, we're going to beat you in Australia. Or, like, uh, like UFC, WWE, 25, 500,000, Could you imagine these guys that were booked on three shows and they'd have to remember three different numbers? <laughs> Impossible. Like, at least fighters, it's like three fights a year. You got to remember three numbers for an interview that you're promoting your fight. I yeah. mean, these guys... Yeah, once I beat you at WWE 368, 
well, tonight it's it's WWE 365, and then one day when I face you at 370, your title is coming this way, and I'm going to hold on to it until WWE 455 for the new record. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, but I'm first going to challenge you and hopefully win the number one contendership at SmackDown 1000 first. <laughs> they try to uh, persuade Dean here, stating that, the Shield needs him, but not vice versa. And Dolph starts playing mind games and points out that Dean became WWE champion on his own. He knows how good Dean Ambrose can be. And they have everything. Dean has nothing. And Drew refers to himself as a brutally honest individual. I say it like it is. I always hate when people refer to themselves like that. Dean says, or sorry, Drew says that Dean pushed him to the limit last week. He was lucky to get the victory. Roman and Seth don't appreciate him, and they probably call him Disposable Dean behind his back. Like, yeah, I'm sure what these two grown men call this man behind his back is, hey, remember when we were out with Disposable Dean tonight, Roman? Oh God. Well, they do call uh, Baron Corbin the substitute teacher, so. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Seth does use alliteration as his hmm. insults off camera. They compare Seth's friendship to Jason Jordan, how he just dropped him. And then state that if Dean joins them, the IC title would be his. Reigns tells them to shut up. People didn't pay you to to bump your gums. And they tease a fight. Baron stops them uh, because tonight Ziggler and Drew are defending their tag titles. And they're going to spoil the Shields reunion. So Baron has to go find two partners tonight. And that was our opening segment here with the tease of whether the dogs could get into the mind of one of the hounds. Or the horses, you mean. I yeah. guess. Could the could the horse be led to water? Okay, yes. That's probably what they titled this uh, show on the network. <laughs> you know, I like the story a lot of the heels trying to drive some dissent between the shield, but by using Dean as the only man without a belt, um, I think it's, it's a visual that I think stands out, and I'm glad the writers are kind of using it to uh, drive some story. I think Roman and Seth holding their titles up, it was a really like subtle visual to the story they were about to tell. I like that because yeah. it was what I thought immediately. And it was, yeah, and this was a good attempt at a, a show long story to at least tease something at the mm-hmm. end. I think Dolphin Drew continue to stand out uh, as great talkers on this uh, show. They continue to impress, you know, the shield on the other hand, I think Rollins is just so lame when he speaks as a baby face. I mean, even as a heel, but man, I don't know if it's the writing or if it's his delivery or probably a combination of both, but uh, just terrible lines. In Roman, I think, you know, this was not a supportive Roman Reigns crowd, but I didn't think Roman really said anything to win this crowd back either. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't even expect him to be able to. Um, But the thing is, in ring, they're totally accepted. So it almost doesn't matter that much. Yeah, if you want to know if it's bad writing or not, use... The Rock, you should not, because The Rock is an outlier. Use Steve Austin, okay? In Steve Austin's voice. Yeah. Say, God damn, this guy's the world's largest substitute teacher. <laughs> no, that sounds awful. Would not work. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> so, I think that's bad writing. <laughs> yeah. Backstage, Finn Balor is hugging with Bailey. They are partners in the mixed match challenge, and therefore they're best buddies. For the next uh, two months. Finn Balor took on Jinder Mahal. We had just an army of people at ringside. We had Bailey and Balor's corner. 
Jinder had Sunil and Alicia Fox team Mahalisha. That's right. Mahalisha. And wouldn't you know way, Renee Young outing herself as a Rewind to Raw listener, taking my Ashanti joke. Oh, yes. Did you hear this? She said that Alicia Fox thought that Shanti was a reference to the singer Ashanti. You know, I forgot you made that joke first, but uh, you deserve all the credit. Hello, Renee. A hundred percent, Renee. She can have it. It's fine. Mahal goes to the floor, took a tope con hero, and Michael Cole noted, Balor is rolling as we went to break. Came back. Uh... They continued here. Balor came back with a sling blade. He went for the running drop kick, but Sunil grabbed him by the leg. And then Bailey came and tripped Jinder. This got a big pop. Fox and Sunil got into an argument. Fox then confronted Bailey. Fox knocked her down. And then we got the weakest Bailey to belly in history as she like just took Sunil down to the floor. This was hardly a there was like no rotation here. This was quite the awkward. Bailey to belly and Balor got a roll up the baby face with the distraction victory at 950 over Jinder. I thought this was a really basic layout of a match, like almost ridiculously basic, like something, something you would see like Cindy Lauper, you know, be a part of in the eighties. And I thought it totally worked with this crowd. The audience seemed really into it. Um, this match to me felt very much like the same vibe that the MM, uh, mixed match challenge matches had uh, last week. It, it's just fun. Felt like kind of like a house show, and I thought this captured that. Bailey hugged Ballers, they celebrated, and then Jinder was upset with Sunil, tossed him to the ground. Both Jinder and Alicia were upset with Sunil, and then Jinder starts meditating, and they all sat and said, Shanti. And they just cut away from this immediately. They didn't even keep the camera on them for the meditation spot. Yeah. Like they were just they were just done. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if any of that really worked all that well. I think you know, whatever punchline that was supposed to be there wasn't really communicated, at least to me. You know, again, like they're they're a team that I feel is put together on paper, you know, with with a lot of comedic potential. You have the crazy girl and then you have the uh, meditative uh, peace guy. But I feel like they've kind of really yet, yet to live up to any of that potential so far. All right, everybody buckle up. We went to our next match. Natalia and the Bella Twins against the Riot Squad. The only reason why anyone's listening to this. Well, you're in for a doozy. This was supposed to be a singles match. This was supposed to be Brie Bella versus Ruby Riot. They announced, they announced this on the weekend. They oh, announced wow. this on the weekend, like Saturday. They had this well in advance. Okay, and that, then today, they changed it. That explains why they gave Brie so much of the match. I guess so. Um, so anyway, it was changed. They mentioned Ronda Rousey is on a publicity tour. Therefore, she is not here tonight. Liv Morgan was in earlier. And Michael Cole said that she identifies herself as a juvenile delinquent. Which I don't know if anyone identifies himself as, but I guess Liv does. So then Brie is in. And then she clearly was listening to our show on Sunday. Another listener. And hearing about this, this Yuji Nagata with his it kicks. It's like, you know what? Everyone can do these kicks. I can do these kicks. And she proceeds to hit the the yes kicks, which she has done plenty of times. And she's hitting Liv in the chest. And then these final two just wallop Liv Morgan in the face. If you watched uh, the main event on Saturday's UFC card, the end of the third round with Eric Anders trying to get to his corner, this was Liv Morgan. 
just goes limp. She collapses trying to get to her corner. Sarah Logan is so concerned. She just grabs Liv Morgan and picks her up like a child onto the floor to tend to her as Ruby has to enter the match here with yeah. Brie. Ruby basically reaches over. Uh, Brie, like, tells them, you can hear, she's out. So they're panicking uh, somewhat. I mean, they kind of, kind of did keep their cool. And I think Ruby probably has been through situations like this before, reached over, tagged herself in. There was a Brie mode chant. And then, I don't know how this spot happened, but it should not have happened. Liv Morgan had to get back in, and they do this triple suplex spot to set up the commercial break. And then when we come back, Liv is gone. She's been taken to the back uh, she, as a she, result of she this. She actually wasn't. She was shown ringside after. They explained that she was gone. Yeah, but she she was clearly like next to the 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 hard camera side, uh, like after the match. So oh, I think I didn't. Just, I never just, saw her again. She's just lying down there with the trainer, I believe. Yeah, it was. Man, when you like watch how she's collapsing into the corner, the fact that she came back to do a suplex spot, like that was incredibly dangerous. She could have got dumped right on her head. And and to- to- I would say completely unnecessary. I don't think totally she unnecessary. Yeah, you turn that into a double suplex or even have a Easy. three on two suplex. Like it, she didn't need to be there for that. But I think, you know, knowing wrestlers, it was probably Liv saying, I'll be okay. Let me finish it. Let me do that. Uh, before maybe during the commercial break, they decided to really take her out. So the match continues. There was another spot where Logan catapulted Brie and she nailed Ruby with this forearm on the apron. Mm-hmm. And they continued until Brie finally tagged in Natalia. Uh, Natalia and Logan actually had a, a decent interaction here, but everyone was concerned about Liv Morgan here. Uh, they eventually got to the finish when there was a blind tag from Ruby when Natalia the sharpshooter applied. Ruby super kicked Natalia, riot kick. To end this match, thankfully, this was just a mess. It was a mess. It was a mess. Um, There was a lot going on here. I think a lot of people probably uh, having to improvise and and be somewhat flustered at, at, first of all, somebody being knocked right out uh, or close to it in Liv Morgan. Um, All the blame is going to be placed directly on Brie, and I'm sure she feels terrible like anyone would after accidents like this. But, I mean, this followed up by, you know, uh, some of her other The match two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. I think the office at this point really needs to make a real decision about, you know, uh, where she's at in her in-ring career. I think she clearly really needs a lot more training before she can continue to be trusted on live television. Like, two weeks ago, it was being a danger to herself. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it was a danger to another performer who could end up with a concussion. And I did ask about this. Uh, One person did get back to me stating that uh, she was okay. She was walking around backstage, uh, noted that the two uh, were very apologetic to one another. Um, But um, Mike Johnson actually further added that, you know, obviously Liv was going to be going under testing. And uh, I I mean, I I don't know 100% if she has a concussion, but you would assume she did after watching this. So uh, hopefully everything is going to be okay. Again, I only heard about this. I got the update like 90 minutes after the match. So, you know, much like the Alexa Bliss situation where she seemed okay last Monday, Tuesday, it's a different story. So um, if we hear any update on Tuesday, we will certainly relay that over. But she was at least sounded like she was walking around backstage. So that's a good sign. But when you watch this, like it was very concerning. 
Yeah, it was, you know, and, and again, like I think accidents often obviously happen in professional wrestling. Um, but this feels maybe it's a little bit too frequent. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel like if this was somebody, you know, trying out, for instance, in the Mae Young Classic, that person would not be brought back, much less be put in, you know, some very high position uh, storylines. And, you know, Bree's done okay, I would say, in some of those mixed tags. Um, some All that stuff, she's been okay. But, like, in these situations, um, I don't know. I, I think... I think some some real time to like uh, improve her her skill is required. Yeah, and I I think also like not to you know j- just harp on things here. I I don't know how she's allowed back in that. Ri- I'm talking about Liv Morgan back in that ring for that final spot after you saw the state she was in mm-hmm. and sending her in there for a spot where she's going over for a suplex. I just I just don't know how there's someone at ringside that allows her back into the ring for a spot. Well, by old standards, that would be completely tame. You know, she would she would have been expected to finish that match probably. But by twenty not today, yeah, by twenty eighteen WWE standards, I, that did surprise me a little bit. Uh, afterwards, there was a tweet from Bree who wrote, "Every match on Raw is an opportunity for us to entertain our fans. Our intentions as WWE superstars is to win the match, never injure our opponents." Thinking about Liv Morgan tonight. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we will keep you updated uh, if there's any more news on Tuesday. Then our next segment uh, was the Connors Cure presentation, and before this segment, uh, for the live crowd. Uh, Triple H had the whole crowd sing happy birthday to Stephanie, including getting the cameramen to sing. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Then we went through this segment. The whole roster was brought out on the stage. Stephanie and Triple H are in the ring. They announce uh, all the money they've raised for Connor's Cure since launching it, what they've done. And they have a new tag team partner, Hyundai, the car company. And we have Hyundai or Hyundai? Hyundai. Hyundai? I don't know. Not oh, sure. God. I don't know. The car company. They drove the, the car out, and uh, two kids who are fighting pediatric cancer, they come out, they're brought into the ring, and we have a rep from the Hope on Wheels uh, campaign, I guess. Uh, they present championships to the, the two kids. And, and cars. They, and and uh, I guess they're getting cars, maybe? No. Uh, they are also donating $200,000 to Connor's Cure, and uh, th- there was one line in this that was like just too much. It was this rep saying to the crowd, let's all give a round of applause for the WWE. It's like, it's not what these things should be about. And that's what a lot of this segment was. I really try to bite my tongue through a lot of these. I, I do believe me. I understand the good that a lot of this does. And maybe to raise awareness and money, you do have to be, putting a spotlight on yourselves to this level. Um, yeah, but it wouldn't be but Triple it, H it's and Stephanie. Still... It wouldn't be Triple H and Stephanie in this if if that was purely the case. Uh, it was like, that. It was like the just the over focusing on like this goddamn car. Like I'm not saying the 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 idea of like what they're raising money for, John, ph- but philanthrop- this is a this is a car ad. It's a ph- car ad I'm watching. Philanthropy philanthropy is the new uh, 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 entrepreneurship or whatever her tweet was. Yes, you yes, know? that's Stephanie line. So that's that's what this was, of course. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, but you know, granted, like, is it is it better that they don't do anything and kids don't get uh, uh, charities don't get money? No, like it has to be a mutual benefit. Um, but you know, it, it this is what it is. I I skipped through most of it. Backstage, Dean is looking very sad, and Dolph walks up to him. Dean grabs him and tells him to get out of here. Dolph says, "I was telling the truth." And he was asked, where was the shield when you almost died of staph infection? And Dolph saw him on SmackDown. He knows he can do it on his own. And he said that you have to give us the signal and we'll do all the rest tonight. And he left Dean to contemplate what he was going to do tonight. Mm-hmm. Insert promo from Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. Gable says if he gets into trouble, he will, he will ask himself, WWBRD, yeah, what, what would Brad Rangans do? No, what would Bobby Roode do? <laughs> And the answer is be glorious. Mm-hmm. Rude's role was just a smile. Well, he couldn't even figure out what BR stood for. No. Bobby Rude's got a great smile. He's a wonderful smile, he has. Very white teeth. Okay. Yeah, sure. Then we had uh, a first. A Connor promo. Just Connor. And he says Gable should have walked away when he had the chance. His mentor can't save him. And Gable is like an innocent, eager puppy playing in the middle of the street that doesn't realize there is a semi-truck barreling down the street. Mm-hmm. What an awful human being this Connor is. Um, yeah, that would be a terrible scene. Terrible visual. So our singles match was Chad Gable against Connor. Connor ran him into the corner. Gable caught him with the armbar and the ropes and then a missile drop kick to the left knee. He did a running kapu kick and then a bridging German for a two count. Gable is just really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Goes to the top, goes for a moonsault, lands on his feet. Connor runs him over, lifts him onto his shoulders for a gut, gut wrench slam. One, two, three. Hmm. Connor wins. Yeah. I looked this up and I don't know if these records are. 100% complete, but I am pretty sure that this would be accurate. This would be Connor's first singles match victory since 2000 and wait for it, 13 and first singles win as part of the Ascension. Wow. What was what was it during in 2013? He was Connor O'Brien oh, in NXT? Uh yes. Oh my god. Well, I mean, this was the first time I feel like I've seen Connor's finisher. Do you know what it was called? Um, the uh, Anomaly? Should be called... The Eclipse? No. Connor's Cure. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Way. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> anyway, well, uh, I felt... I felt. I mean, I think they, they had to have him win because they needed to build to this tag match somehow. Like, you can't have Gable beat both of them. Um, although like you would expect the guy to at least cheat to win or something and he didn't really do that, but I guess the story is Gable can beat Victor, but he can't beat Connor. Connor is, uh, Connor is the ace of that team. Um, I felt the crowd was pretty dead for this match and I think it's, it's probably a case of neither team really being over at all yet. Uh, we'll see, you know, if they can craft any type of storyline surrounding this. Charlie interviewed Stephanie and Hunter just as they were trying to leave. They saw the time. It was, it was almost 9.30. It's time to get out of here. And Charlie asked about the Undertaker's comments from last week about Hunter having 
a broken soul and going corporate. Hunter says, if he's worried about a suit, he's already lost. They're not fighting in a boardroom. And Hunter sold his soul a long time ago. And he said, the end is near for The Undertaker. And he left. I thought some good lines from Triple H here. And I realized, I think I like Triple H promos a lot more in a setting like this. Not 10 minutes by himself in the middle of the ring, but 30 seconds as he's walking into a car. Perfect length for him to make his point. Yeah, very um, ambush-style journalism here from Charlie. We went over the E! People's Choice Awards. You can vote for Nikki Bella, John Cena, and Nia Jax. Uh, Did you know that Nia Jax is up for Game Changer of the Year? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, they, they should mention it a bit more. That, then we went to, I mean, that is the whole value of, of just having, I guess, being nominated, isn't it? Just to promote that you're even part of the, the discussion, I guess. In the grand scheme of things, like if I, I wouldn't even care if I win an award. Because to me, if I say Oscar nominated actor waiting, that sounds just as impressive to me as Oscar award winning actor waiting. I don't know about that. I think I think it sounds just about identical. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I think it's know. fine. It's like who cares? Uh, e People's Choice Award nominee Nia Jax. Yeah, I don't know if that sounds impressive. I don't even know if you win if you win that. That sounds all that impressive. But okay. Imagine she gets up there on stage, says, "Sorry, Serena, you're looking at the game changer, Nia Jax." Mm. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre took on the Revival for the tag titles. Wilder early on applied the rings of Saturn to Ziggler as Dawson was yelling at him, break his arm. Wilder pulled him to the center and Ziggler got out. And then Wilder ran at Ziggler, missed, runs into the step shoulders first. They went into a commercial break. Then Scott Dawson hit a Tiger driver, another listener, getting set for Ahmed Johnson's Pearl River Plunge that we'll talk about on Friday. And then the Revival hit the Power and Glory special. The superplex splash combination. This was always one of my favorite tag maneuvers that Paul Roman Hercules used to do. Uh, is that their thing now? They're just like going to bring back old tag team moves? That was kind of their thing be- to begin with. They'd always mix in little little tribute spots to, you know, hmm. the Midnight Express or Power and Glory. You know, this was a big match for the Revival. They were letting everything just uh, be put out there. Drew McIntyre missed a chop and hit the post. A direct spot from the Mia Yim Allison K match on the May Young Classic last week. I mean, could be that they've seen it from there, or, or could be any number of other matches that have done that. That was a pretty big spot on Wednesday. I mean, come on, a little professional courtesy. Okay, they here. stole it. They stole it. Yes, they completely stole it. Yes. Uh, this allowed Dash to hit a tornado DDT onto the floor to Drew. They showed Dean watching in the back, and then Ziggler hits the knee. He attempts a zigzag. And Wilder tries to get him onto his shoulders, and he collapses. Now, I don't doubt he legit just lost his footing, but this made complete sense after he just got hit in the knee. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this was not. This was a screw up that benefited the the spot. It made it made it made sense to me. Uh, he ends up lifting him on the shoulders. Dawson comes off the top of the clothesline, big near fall, and then Dawson hits a drop kick off the turnbuckle, gets another near fall. He's taken out with a big boot, and then McIntyre hits the Glasgow kiss to Wilder to set up the Claymore zigzag for the win. I thought a great match. If anything, I thought this wasn't long enough. I thought this was a really, really fun tag match between these two. I would, If they were more serious about the revival, I would love to see uh, something further, but I'm not that optimistic about it. 
No, neither am I, unfortunately. But, you know, a, a good showcase for them, I think, uh, more than they've had in a long, long time. A good Raw match, I think uh, there were some really good near falls in there. I, it was a match that I really had no interest in prior to this, but it turned it into a highlight of the show. Yeah, this was, you know, really, really fun match to go out of your way to see. And I think coming out of this show, the Revival and Chad Gable are three of the more kind of underutilized acts, I think, in the WWE at the moment. And maybe those teams are going to end up paired together within the near future. It, probably, yeah. I mean, those guys are all great in ring, but it, it ultimately really does depend on what type of stories they're being given in order to really kind of propel uh, their statuses in the company. And unfortunately, they could have all the great matches they want, but... You know, uh, unless they get the story, it doesn't really matter. Did you know there are over 11,000 hours of content on the WWE Network? The bigger did you know way is that is less than 10% of the footage they own. What? What do you mean? They've got well over 100,000 hours of archived in their archives. And they only have 11,000 of it on the network. Only 11,000. Well, there's a lot to be uh, uploaded, I guess. Yeah. Like, how much How much of, are they actually missing? How much footage do they have that, that you think audiences would be clamoring to for them to upload? Um. Yeah, there's there's lots of stuff. They, they haven't, think of the stuff they haven't put up there. Like, the entire uh, world-class library that they've got. Uh, the, what they do have the rights to of Stampede Wrestling that they haven't put up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, s- Saturday night stuff from WCW. Um you know, there's, hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't say like there's a giant clamoring for old thunders and all this stuff. I'm just saying the, the footage is there that they have so much of. Um, yeah. I think for the modern audience, a lot of the key stuff is up there. Elias is in the ring. He says that Denver doesn't deserve a performance tonight. Instead, he's going to pass it over to his friend, a man he can have a conversation with, his biggest fan, Kevin Owens. Owens comes out, plugs the tag match at Super Showdown involving John Cena against the two of them. Elias says he doesn't want to look at or speak to the people. So Owens is going to discuss Leo Rush and invites him to come out. So Rush is out. Elias says they have a seat for him and they place a high chair onto his seat. Yeah, like a booster. Yeah, a a booster seat. Yes. Rush then brings out Denver's own Bobby Lashley and... That brings us to our match with Elias and Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still quite unclear about exactly what Leo Rush's role is. Is he a, a wrestler or is he a manager? Is he a heel or is he a babyface? I feel like there's still something amiss about maybe the way he's coming across and how they're uh, uh, portraying him to really kind of clearly communicate that. But anyway. Cole mentions that Lashley and new partner Mickey James, they don't have a team name. So they're putting it up to a fan vote, which Renee suggests their team name should be Mickey Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clever. Mm-hmm. And yes, okay. so, so that because every team needs a team name. So you have gems like Mahalisha. Well, not only do they need team names, but they also need T-shirts and logos. Yeah, Bobby Lashley and Mickey James. Maybe they can call themselves um, Total Nonstop uh, Trains as an ode trains. to Mickey's. Yeah. Remember remember the train? Yes. Maybe that would be better if James Storm was here hmm. to team with Mickey. There's punches in the corner. Lashley hit a side slam. Then Elias got the advantage, wrapping his knee around the post. 
Lashley got his lip busted open at one point here. Went through a commercial. Elias is working the knee. Owens then runs after Leo Rush. And I bet you Kevin Owens is enjoying this. That he's gone from being the the punching bag who's got a bump for Braun Strowman to the guy that his big spot is chasing after Leo Rush and just can't get his hands on him. Um, so that's the spots they do now is just Kevin Owens runs after Leo Rush and can't get a hold of him as he does his flips off the barricade and such. And then Owens ran around the ring and Lashley was laying there on the floor and Owens like tripped over him and this caused a DQ. It's mm-hmm. kind of a strange DQ. And then... Uh, Owens continued chasing after Leo Rush. Elias grabbed him in the ring, but then Lashley made the save, catching him from a powerbomb attempt by Owens. I I thought the match went really long. I was kind of tuned out of this. I thought it was really boring and with a pretty shitty finish to boot. I mean, I thought this match was already in a bad spot. Literally. Yeah, exactly. I thought the match was already in. Owens booted him. Yes. Thank you. Um, I, I thought it was already in a bad spot, but I think, you know, being in his hometown didn't really help Lashley all that much to save this match. I found it pretty boring for most of it, and the finish was very lame. Yeah. Drew McIntyre's backstage. Rollins walks up to him and says that the truth is that he is the only one that's being used by Braun Strowman. And now it was Seth trying to use his, uh, his Jedi mind tricks. He says, Ziggler is the weak link. He's riding Drew's coattails. Drew's the talented one, yet Ziggler's the one that gets all the intercontinental title shots. He's carrying Dolph, and they're not using Ambrose like they accused them of, and Drew should look in the mirror about who's really being used. Rollins walks off, and then Dolph appears asking McIntyre, what was that all about? And Drew told him not to worry about it. So, yeah, you kind of had this tease. Were were Drew McIntyre or Dean Ambrose actually taking any of this to heart? And that was kind of your your hook for the main event to see if uh, either side was getting to one another. I really liked it. I thought it was really clever, the layers they kept adding to this with each backstage segment. I mean, it starts off with, with Dolph trying to play Dean, and then you have Rollins trying to turn it back onto Drew. And then you have Drew, ultimately, in the segment that's coming up later, uh, taking what Rollins said and flipping it back onto Dean. I thought it was all very cleverly written and well-performed, especially from Drew McIntyre, I thought. I liked that it was something different than just, we're going to have this six-man tag in the main event, and then we won't even address it for the two hours until it happens. That there was, you know, a consistent story throughout the the show. And be interesting if that um, captures anyone beyond the... You're always going to get that third-hour drop, but maybe looking at it as, hey, we, sh- we need to give people more of a hook than just promising a match with our top guys at the end of the show. So, yeah, I, l- I like the idea of it as well. Michael Cole can't wait till Friday because Night School is out starring Kevin Hart. And they went to this film, uh, this segment that Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish filmed with a bunch of WWE trivia questions. And I thought this was, uh, you know, a- at least a creative way to promote this movie for a targeted audience. It was actually really well done, and and I, I say that because I thought it came from people who were fans. I don't know if this—I've never heard of Tiffany Haddish. Uh, I don't know if she's an actual fan. I don't even know if Kevin Hart is an actual fan, but clearly the people that were writing it uh, or producing it were because I thought there were a lot of kind of nods to like more of a slightly deeper cuts, uh, I think, in, in wrestling lore, and I thought Kevin Hart had some like pretty funny lines in it. Maybe his lineage uh, traces back to Calgary. Oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. 
That took us into Nia Jax versus Alicia Fox. And Nia Jax and Ember Moon were in the ring, so they had to react to this segment way, and they just they thought it was hysterical. Alexa Bliss and Mickey James are in the corner of Alicia Fox. We got an insert promo first from Ember Moon and Jax. Moon said when she had to find a partner, she wanted to find a game changer. So Nia goes, okay, I see what you did there. What? It's a big deal. Best friends. Best friends after a week. Ember Moon and Nia Jax. Well, clearly, um, Ember hasn't just replaced Alexa in the Mixed Master Challenge, but also in all of Nia's uh, former best friend relationship as well. Match began. Fox uh, got pulled to the floor when Jax was about to attack her, and then Moon hit this rolling cannonball to Mickey. And then there was this spot where Alicia went for a what was identified as a swinging neckbreaker. This is the one move you have to go and replay. It was... If Alicia Fox got a hand on Nia Jax, I think that's about as accurate as you could put this. It was like she touched her, and Nia just swung over from this swinging neckbreaker. Fox then landed a boot out of the corner, kicked her. There was no reaction to this. Jackson caught her with a Samoan drop, got the pin... And Renee proclaimed, talk about a game changer. Yeah. Nia Jax, the game changer. Yeah, I didn't think this match was very pretty either. And, you know, it feels, though, at, at least it feels like the crowd is somewhat more invested in Nia. Um, but rather sloppy from both women. At least it wasn't all that long. Then we had Dean and Drew meet in the trainer's room. Dean, uh, first it was uh, Drew that said Seth took every truth he had said earlier and spun it around on him. So Drew's trying to figure out this reverse psychology. And he says either Seth wants to create a four-man shield or maybe he believes what we said earlier about you, Dean, and he's looking for a replacement. Or maybe he's overreacting. He says it's not like Seth has stabbed you in the back before. And he walks off to place the seeds of doubt into Dean Ambrose's head before their big match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought this, this was, was well this done. quite the quite the mystery going on. Yeah, I thought it was well done. Big feature on the Undertaker and Triple H. This just was a compilation of all the the promos from the legends from Shawn Michaels that we've had, and that led to the announcement next week. Shawn Michaels will be on Raw from Seattle, Washington, and adding to that, they are going to have Kevin Owens versus Bobby Lashley and. Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot. Yep. Corbin came out, cut a promo, says that we may see the breakup. We all see the breakup coming. And the, everyone in the roster wanted to join his team tonight, but he had to choose the cream of the crop, AOP. And those are his partners tonight. The Dogs of War came out with chairs and then just sat down on the ramp on their chairs. And that took us to our shield. Baron Corbin, AOP, six-man tag, main event. Corey mentions to Renee that you're probably the best person to ask about whether she's ever heard these words before that Dolph and Drew spoke of regarding the relationship with the Shield. And she said that, you know, Roman and Seth didn't always contact Dean, but I don't know. I don't see his phone. There was a stare down with Razor and Roman, and Razor lifted, drove him into the corner. Reigns had a big clothesline. Razor popped up. Uh, it seemed that they were really trying to kind of isolate Razor here for, you know, 
maybe like a TV singles match at some point with Roman, but it seemed to be they were putting a focus on Razor throughout the match. Did you get that sense? Yeah, the stare down, I thought, uh, with Roman definitely was trying to be milked into a bit of a bigger moment. And yeah, I could totally see that. You know, he is, I guess, the bigger of the two men. The dogs walk down with their chairs, and this allows Baron and AOP to jump the shield from behind, go through a commercial. Rollins is in. The crowd is chanting, burn it down. And then Drake Maverick, the asshole 205 Live general manager, distracts the referee, allowing Baron to pull down the top rope, and Rollins plummets down to the floor. They had the heat on Rollins for a long period of time, went for a tag to Dean. Akam pulled him off the apron to prevent the tag, and they continued the attack. Deep six for a two count. Then he ducked a strike from Corbin, tagging in Dean. And after all the drama, Ambrose just attacks Corbin. Akam drops him off the top. He blocks the end of days, but then comes back with his elbow drop. Reigns comes in, stops the last chapter, hits a Superman punch. Uh, pretty frenetic pace here at the end. There was a stomp delivered to Baron Corbin. Suicide died by Rollins. He was running wild. And then the Dirty Deeds was hit to Corbin. He tags Reigns. Ambrose dives to the floor and Reigns hits the big spear pinning Corbin and they win Reigns and Rollins hug together while Dean is on the floor by himself and the announcers are trying to play up that they're not thinking about Dean and the crowd is chanting shield which believe me is not an easy chant and he's right in the middle on the ramp he looks up at the dogs of war on the ramp and then his teammates in the ring he looks back and forth. Which way is he going to side? And he goes into the ring. And as Graves puts it best, Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns fist together. Yeah. 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 It was a satisfying one. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I thought this was a good match. You know, I thought a really great close in particular with all three Shield members uh, executing their big spots. Overall, I thought it was a great showcase, I thought, for, uh, uh, what is it, AOP? Um, I did enjoy it. Best match of Baron Corbin's career, maybe. I mean, he was also in some of those like six mans on SmackDown that were pretty decent, but um, on Raw, yeah, I could see that. You know, yeah, the six man was very good. The tag match, very very good stuff on on Raw. Um, six six women's tag, no. Yeah, I mean. I did enjoy the uh, show long storyline with Dean Ambrose. Uh, I think teasing at least see, uh, sowing the seeds for a potential turn in the future. I thought that was all done really well. I can't say much of the rest of the show was all that great to me. I, I mean, yeah, some of the wrestling was pretty bad. Um, I'm trying to think now, even like what stories might have really been uh, interesting. Like Triple H and Taker, I thought that feud really kind of was uh, reserved for, like, a recap video this week. Um, And just a whole lot of undercard stuff I really don't care that much about. I mean, Revival had a good match with the Ziggler and and McIntyre, but that's not really leading to another story. Um, Lashley and and Leo Rush was, I, you know, okay, but the match I thought sucked. Um, Yeah, really, I, I would just say the main event, if you care that much, but beyond that, I don't know if I enjoyed this episode of Raw. I don't think I did. My expectations, if I get two good matches, which I thought we did, I think that's usually a, uh, a better Raw than, than usual. But I'm with... Like, that to me is just... That's so ingrained in me that Raw is going to be... So you're watching... You're spending three hours for potentially two matches. 
Yeah, that's every week, Way. Yeah. I feel like every week, it's 65% of the show is very, very disposable. It's these segments that go on forever that I'm never going to think of again in my life. Mm-hmm. I've just I've just learned to kind of accept that that is, that is most episodes of Raw. Yeah. But anyway, that was the show. Um, what did everyone vote on this one for? This will be an interesting one. Zero to ten. Do you think you got a passing grade way or a fail? I want to say a fail. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's at least a four. A 4.14. Mm-hmm. So we're both right. It was over four, but still a fail. Terry from Colorado. Very glad I did not make the trip to see this one live. Better show than last week, but too much boring Corbin in the main event. Felt so bad for Liv, she took a shot to the face. Shocker of the night was seeing Brodus Clay on the preview for the Purge show. P.S. Guys, don't let anyone in the feedback try to break you two up. Who's oh, been I doing guess that? They're, they're referring to, I guess, Raw, Raw's theme tonight. Oh, got it, got it, yes. Chris from Melbourne, Australia. 11 days from Super Showdown, and I didn't think I could be any less excited. Well, tonight proved me wrong. Apart from the overuse of promo packages because they are trying to promote way too much at once, uh, the only thing that stood out was I'm not going to see any Raw championships defended in Melbourne for a WrestleMania price-level ticket. Honestly, this was the same paint-by-numbers Raw we get most weeks. Only saving grace was seeing WWE use their airtime for a charity. As someone who has sadly seen a loved one lose their battle to cancer, it makes me happy to see big companies care, even if said charity has a questionable background. One Corbin made events out of 10. We go on next to Ari from Montreal. I did like the subtle hint at the beginning when Rollins and Roman raised their titles and Dean just stood there. Although I really don't like Ziggler, he did make valid points, and Dean not having a title is an interesting way to fuel his eventual heel turn. However, like always, WWE hammered that point throughout the show to its audience, which can be annoying. Still a good opening segment. The pop for Bailey tripping up Jinder kind of shocked me. I thought people were not interested in her anymore. All I could look at the end of the match was that spit that was on Jinder's lip. Not a way to pass germs like Archer's water spit, but still gross. Michael Cole said that video is what the Riot Squad is all about. So what are they all about? They have no idea why they are together or their point of rioting. What What does a car company have to do with the fight of pediatric cancer? Tag match is great and was actually sold on for the near falls. And how is Alicia Fox still employed by WWE? One of the mysteries of life, I suppose. He has a question. What happens first? Dean's heel turn and possibly him joining the Dogs of War or McIntyre leaving the Dogs of War? I would not necessarily expect uh, Dean to join the Dogs of War. Um, I think both these teams probably continue beyond this feud. Do you think by teasing it tonight that they are going to put off Dean turning for a while? Like, they've kind of introduced this now. It would seem something that I think you can do it eventually. Mm -hmm. And these are kind of like the seeds that have been planted. But... They should probably wait to do it when the timing is right. And I don't know if the timing is right now. No, I think the timing would probably be best uh, during the Mania run, you know, either uh, after Rumble or something like that, so that it's still somewhat uh, fresh. I think this tease is probably just to set it up for uh, sometime beyond this year, my, my guess. We got MJ from NJ who says, I came to see feedback before deciding if I wanted to start Raw after work around 11.15 p.m. The results of the <laughs> poll with four people... Voting was 2.25. Now, as I po- post this, eight people, and it's only around 3.38. I'm pretty sure I enjoy watching the votes come in more than a raw rating, uh, more on a raw rating than a U.S. congressional election. 
Anyway, gr very grateful for your reviews. Going to watch Conor McGregor Fitzpatrick try to lead a team <laughs> to glory. So the, the, we had no feedback here from MJ about Raw, but yeah. nonetheless. Um, all right, let us continue here. Uh, I used to look forward to Raw, but now mostly it just plays in the background while I'm doing something else. The Kevin Owens show has potential to be a good weekly segment if they stick to it. Question about Drake Maverick. I really don't follow 205 Live, but I thought he was a babyface general manager. He is. Ha yes, he is. Has he turned on 205, or do you think he will be replaced eventually as GM? No, I think he's just going to be two completely different people on Monday and Tuesday nights, because what he does on Monday night in his personal time is his business. <laughs> That's the explanation we've been given. I personally would expect him to be off of 205 Live, uh, uh, you know, in the in the near future. I don't think he's ne needed as on that show. Um, I think he, he has probably bigger value to provide being a mouthpiece for AOP. And... Uh, yeah. The problem is he's not even that. He's not even a mouthpiece. I know. They really haven't done. Although, like, if you watch, like, some of their stuff online, they've done, like, videos on .com. Like, sometimes we ask, oh, man, so-and-so didn't get TV airtime. Well, usually it means that, that they might have something on .com. So if you care to see maybe what they're working on, you can do that. But, I, I mean, eventually I expect him to obviously have a bigger role for the two of them. We got a Jay from Colorado who says... I attended the show live. Just a few notes. Liv Morgan was hurt. Really hurt. She initially just fell off to the side and sat with the trainer, but after the match, she was carried off by the riot squad through the back by the timekeeper's area. She looked really rough and was stumbling around. Oh, maybe she was in the back then. Maybe I'm mistaken. Oh, the timekeeper's area. That is ringside, isn't it? Yep. The crowd was really behind the revival. Everyone was popping loud, and we even got an awesome chant. Definitely the highlight for me match-wise. The crowd was also really behind Lashley, and I was impressed at how he clicked with everyone. Lots of commercial breaks and downtime frustrated the crowd, and at one point we had a please do something chant. When the cameras went off, Corbin tried to join the shield. They made him sing, I'm a little teapot, and put him through a table. Okay, okay show. That, why can't that be on WWE.com? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have quite the collection of, you know, uh, post-Raw uh, going off the air moments. All right. From Dubs. Probably a bad show. I skipped over a lot of it. I hope my blue tongue girl is okay. Okay, he's referring to Liv Morgan. That was a rough few minutes for her out there. It was like they couldn't tell she was out. Cole even said she was in the back receiving attention with, with her in the shot. Okay, well, then she was definitely out there. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was just high. <laughs> No, you are not. She was definitely injured in that match. Chris from Virginia. Raw just can't get out of the hole. And just like Liv Morgan's face, I feel Raw keeps beating me. Oh, okay, that's not nice. That's really not nice. I will give thumbs up in the to a competitive tag title match and the Leo-Bobby duo. But there were too many other things to drag this show down. On a side note, I'm back to being a patron here and encourage any of you listening to do so as well. Best value for your buck you will find. Now I'm going to wonder what will happen if Brie Bella and Yoshihashi were booked in an important angle together. Well, thank you for your patronage, nonetheless. Jalen from Pickering. I'm going to be a bit critical of the Connor's Cure segment. Obviously, cancer is terrible. Connor's Cure has done a lot of good, and seeing those kids out there is genuinely heartwarming. But I wasn't a fan of having the roster on the ramp. You've already had the show start, and the six people that were trying to fight each other at the start were front and center in solidarity. I think once the show starts, then what happens on the screen should feel like it's part of the show, instead of a random break in continuity. It would have come off better to me if they had done it at the start, like with 10 Bell Salutes, or as a dark segment, or just do the same segment without the roster there. Most of them already wear Connor's Cure merchandise anyways. 
I I didn't have any issue with that. I mean, I don't watch that segment as having any connection to the show. Um, and I, I do echo a lot of the sentiments about the the good that these charities provide. Obviously, what what I feel un, uneasy about is when it's just so thrown in your face about these being commercials for these companies that I just feel it's it's a little much if you're watching and you're being told over and over and over again about how great we are and how great this car company is that we're doing all of this. Like that should not be the focus. And I feel at times that you're, you're splitting the focus between a really good cause and a commercial. And maybe that's me being really naive because that is part of this. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think you'll find many multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies that are selfless to the point of, you know, just, uh, doing something for the sake of, of doing something without some type of mutual benefit. Um, I think and hey, may, how it is. And hey, if, the, if they're raising money and the trade-off is that they get to put a spotlight on themselves, a lot of people are probably like fine with that. That, hey, that's, mm-hmm. that's a willing trade-off that, hey, these companies obviously want some attention for this. They're not really embarrassed about it, but look at what they're doing as a result of it by being able to make it so public that, they're going to create awareness as a byproduct of that. Yeah. And you can say that ultimately that's that's good. Uh, it's up to you to decide. We got to Adam from the street who says, did anyone else see the prompter in the distance when Corbin was speaking at the end? It's on the same type of screen they would show the words to the national anthem on. Take another look if you haven't. Way's nephew was right. This guy sucks. Well, I'm sure they have prompters for a number of people and i hardly blame them for that i think it's it's one of the things that i wish they would have for probably more uh wrestling things like they have that for everything they have that for any other show on tv why should wrestlers who aren't trained actors be expected to remember as much as they 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 are without some extra help so i have no problem with that Lewis from Long Beach is the last one. I haven't watched Raw in maybe two months, and it doesn't seem like I've been missing much. The tag was excellent. I'm really glad to see the revival get some time, and I hope this shows WWE what they can do when given the opportunity. I like the Leo Rush-Bobby Lashley pairing, and the storytelling of the Drew Dean breakup could be interesting, depending on where they actually take it. Outside of that, everything else on the show is completely skippable. Three solid pieces on a three-hour show just isn't enough. Five out of ten show from Lewis. All right. Yeah, not a great right? show at all. Uh, this edition of Raw, and mm, uh, I would I wouldn't be as critical as you. Like I I thought you you got some good some good on this show. I'm not gonna say start to finish, but you know, I, I thought it was an average show. Yeah, I guess average just depends on kind of your expectations. But how often do we get a a storyline from start to finish? on an episode of Raw? Like typically, you get the opening segment, and then we don't see them again till the main event. Uh, I, th- I like that aspect of it. I thought the main event was a good match. I thought the tag match was a really good match. Yeah, I, um, still, I still can't call it a good show just for those few right. segments. Uh, before we go, can I just run over the ROH card for Friday? Yes. All right. So this is the lineup for Friday, and I'm hoping Tuesday night we will have a card to talk about Long Beach, but never say never. Uh, main event, Jay Lethal and Will Ospreay for the ROH title. Then we've got... Uh, Punishment Martinez against Chris Sabin for the television title. The Briscoes are defending the tag titles against Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Ten-man tag. We have Cody, Marty Skrull, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Page taking on Kazuchika Okada, 
the best friends, Chucky and Beretta, Rocky Romero and Tomohiro Ishii, which seems uh, designated for Rocky Romero to take the fall in that one. Kenny King versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Sumi Sakai defending the Women of Honor Championship against Tennille Dashwood and a tables match with Bully Ray and Silas Young against Flip Gordon and Colt Cabana. So that looks like a very good card. Uh, in particular, Jay Lethal and Will Ospreay. I think that could be one of the better U.S. matches of the year. Yeah, I'll hedge definitely. my my uh, expectation with that. But they, you know, if that should be a tremendous, tremendous match. Absolutely. You know, it's it's kind of the talk of uh, uh, Neville or Pac is kind of cooled off since All In. But do you do you see any possibility that he might be uh, a part of the mix? Yeah. To be honest, I thought. At some point, I was expecting him at one of the destruction shows. Maybe it doesn't make uh, perfect sense to introduce him so early. If he is, and I don't know if he's going to New Japan and Ring of Honor, but as I look at the lay of the land, that to me sounds like the best setup for for Neville, for Pac, is to do New Japan and possibly ROH as well. That I would... I would introduce him at King of Pro Wrestling after they've crowned the junior heavyweight champion, and that's the next challenger. He confronts the winner. Right, right. So um, I'm not expecting him on Friday, but at the, in the, at the same token, it wouldn't stun me either. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also kind of curious if he is just going to become a, a junior heavyweight, if he feels doesn't want to be pigeonholed as that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely he could think he could do more, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. So it'll be interesting wherever he ends up. Like, he'll be a great addition uh, wherever he goes. Uh, we will have coverage of that on the site Friday night. Uh, looking forward to that. Tomorrow night, we'll be back with Rewind to SmackDown. We will review that show. Uh, Way, you will be watching the Mix Match Challenge? Yes, I will. All right. So Way will be reviewing that. And then the Double Shot as well. You can sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com, if you have not already. And I know so many of you already have. Uh, that will be dropping late Tuesday night as well with reviews of Total Divas, Way's review of uh, the Jeff Hardy feature uh, the WWE has put out, and my July 1996 review of Raw. Have you started International Incident yet? No, I haven't, no. It's a very quick watch. Oh, really? How, how quick? It's, it's under two hours. Oh, awesome. Maybe I'll do it tonight. Yeah, it's a, it's a very... I, I watched it in one sitting on Sunday night. Yeah. Very, very, very hot crowd. So you can look forward to that. All right, everybody, that is it for us. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, I know you're not watching, so just thank you for listening. Goodbye.